revelation in the knowledge of him, and I'm being filled with the knowledge of his will, in all spiritual wisdom and understanding. As a result of this, I'm walking in a manner worthy of the Lord, I'm pleasing him in all respects, I'm bearing fruit in every good work, and I'm increasing in the knowledge of God. Now again, I incline my ears to his word. The word is entering my heart. It is giving me light and direction. It is healing me in every area. And it's making me more and more like the Lord Jesus. In the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. 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 I said amen. amen. And then today the word will come expressly to you again. Amen. In the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Questions that are important in your heart will be answered today. Amen. In Jesus name. Amen. Healing from every affliction is available. Amen. You will receive your portion today in the name of Jesus Christ. Alright the Lord is good. Let's take our seats. Let's take our seats. We are going to continue on powerful wealth. That's um, what we have been on for a while. Took a bit of um, a short break to attend to other things, and we came back to it. And um, last time, I ended by explaining. Or before, I, let me, before we get to that, let's just quickly open our Bibles again today. Let's read again one portion that we have read many times in, in previous times, Isaiah chapter forty. The book of Isaiah chapter 40. Uh, this is just to help us understand again what we are doing in this series. There's what is called grace. It's one of my favorite words in the scriptures. I don't think I have um, three other words that are important, as important to me as the word grace in the Bible. Grace is a crucial word. It covers a lot of things. Grace, in summary, is what God is able to do in our lives when we cooperate with him by faith. Grace is the one that works above our own ability. When Paul said, it said, I'm the grace, he said, by the grace of God, I am what I am. And his grace working towards me did not prove vain. And like I said before, grace makes you able. He said, I labored more than them all, but it was not I, but the grace of God that was working with me. Grace gives you ability. It gives you the ability to produce. Grace brings God's resources, all right, to your, um, uh, to your arena, you know, it, for, for you to be able to produce results for him. Grace brings to your life what you couldn't do yourself. That's what grace is. And that's what God wants in the lives of Christians, for grace to operate. There are two ways you get results in life. You can either do it the way of Esau or you go the way of Jacob. The way of Jacob is the way of grace. The way of Esau is the way of human strength, human ability, the ability to do things by yourself. And that's the way of Esau. And you see something about Jacob. What Jacob did was labor all his life to tap into the promise that God had given to his fathers, that is to Abraham and to Isaac. He saw that promise was about to slip into the hands of Esau. And he went after it. Now, you may say that, of course, you know, there's a way we judge things in life. Sometimes you see the American presidency. Who's good? Is it Joe Biden or Donald Trump? Of course, Joe Biden, to all um, intents and purposes, have won that um, current election. And the people have said, Donald Trump is it, Donald Trump is that. I say, you have to be careful. If you're a Christian, can I, let me quickly drop this for you. You have to be careful to judge with divine judgment. All right? You have to understand that some things are important to God, some things are less important to him. And so when you want to make judgment on who is good, who is bad, check what they do in regard to what is important to God. Not what is popular with mankind. I hope you're getting my point. All right, just bear that in mind. I'm not going to say more than that about, about that issue. Now, what I want to just bring out is that, so you look at a man like Esau. 
or look at a man like um, Joe, Jacob, if you look at their lives as a matter of fact, the person you will like most is Esau, looking on the natural plane. Esau was more likable. Esau was more likable. One, he was very hardworking. He was straightforward. He was the kind of person that told you that a man has to do what a man has to do. That is, in working hard to get results in life. Esau could overcome challenges. Esau will work morning, afternoon, and night. He has strength on his side. I hope you're getting my point. Jacob was not like that. Jacob was a bit sly. Are you getting my point? Yeah, he was a bit sly. Jacob is a person that would take advantage of a situation. Esau wasn't like that. Okay? On the surface, a natural man would like Esau. For you to prevent Jacob to Esau, you have to go into the realm of the spirit. Now, when I say that, I don't mean you, you dive, you know, and close. No, what I mean is that you look into the word of God to get your perspective. Like I say all the time, by faith, we understand. You have to use faith to understand. What did God say about Esau? He was a godless man, a profane man. Come on. Where did you see him take anybody's money, anybody's wife? Why did God call him godless or profane? Why did God love Jacob? Why was it that he said, Esau I have hated, Jacob I have loved? I'll tell you. It's simple. Look at Jacob in all his accidents, in all his misbehaviors, in all his mistakes. Okay? He was looking for something. He was looking for something. He counted, you know, the Bible says that the kingdom of God is like a treasure that a man found buried in the ground. Then he goes back to do what? To sell all that he has so he can buy that plot of land. That was Jacob. Jacob found that treasure buried somewhere, so to speak. It was by right that of Esau. But Esau did not value it. Esau was hungry. He was very tired. He was very weak. Now, let me explain something to you. He was not sick. He just walked. Too much work. I mean, I have been hungry so much sometimes that I'm about to preach. I mean, you guys, I mean, you know, the people who know what I'm talking about, I will say, I say, guys, get me, I need to eat something. Get me biscuit. You see them rush to get me 15 naira biscuit. And I will munch you. They are praying here. I'm in my office. think I'm meditating the spirit. And I lie. I'm chopping biscuit because I have to come and preach. And you see me gulp down, you know, um, juice, you know, and water. Why? Because I'm faint. I've been maybe about done this and this. I've not eaten. So it happens to everybody all the time. If you meet me under such circumstances and ask me for my car, I won't give you. I won't give you. It's easy for us to look at Jacob and say to Jacob, you know, he knew your brother was weak. Nonsense. It's not hunger. What you are ready to sell when you are weak depends on the value you place upon it. You will come and you will tell me, give me your house because you, and what are you offering me? A bowl of pounded yam with the best, you know, no kind come with all kinds of seafoods and land animals inside. And you know I'm hungry. You offer it to me and say, give me your car. My car is old, by the way. And I still won't give you. So assuming that it was a brand new Lexus, you think I'll give you? Assuming it was a house, you think I'll give you? Dude, there are things you say, let me die. Let me die with my pride intact. I'll leave the house for my children. I'll leave the car for my wife. No, think about it. Are you going to sell it? Are you going to give it? You know why, you know why Esau gave it? He didn't count it as anything. It was worthless to him. So it could trade it for a morsel of food. 
for a plate of food. It was not the food. It was his own valuation of his inheritance. Now he'd be the first to hungry. And that was why God called him a profane man. He did not understand holy things. You've seen people say that uh, it's because of hunger they slept with a man. You don't, you don't have value for your body. That's all. Because the lecturer threatened that you will not graduate. Uh-huh. Are you, will you be the first not to graduate? Did Bill Gates graduate? What is the big deal? Are you the first? But you see, we don't understand. We trade precious things for mundane things. And we think we have an excuse. That is a problem. People trade, they now start giving excuses. They trade what is precious for that which is mundane. Why? Because they don't have a sense of value. And I start blaming Jacob later. I start writing doctrines that blame Jacob. That Jacob was a bad man. He went and tricked his brother. There was no trick in it. If Esau valued the birthright, Jacob had no chance to get it. You think Jacob would have sold it? No, turn the tables around. You think Jacob will have sold it? Jacob will say, your money, your money perish with you. Your food rot with you. But when a man doesn't value something that is precious, God looks at him and calls him profane. In life, know how to value holy things. There are things that are holy in this life. Learn them, value them. There are times that are holy. There are times that are holy. I, we traveled yesterday somewhere near Otoko to go and preach. Israel and I. So later on they were saying that ah, the, the crowd will have been more. But it was a market day. The brother that hosted, many of us know he was here with us. Um, was he earlier this year, last year, Pastor Peter. So, so he and I were in the car together. I said, what difference does it make? Anybody that cannot come to where the word of God is, in, is being taught because the market day is not worthy of the kingdom. So when they were saying it, I said, hey, hey wait. I mean, he just said, no, nobody should tell us that story. This program holds once a year. Market day will cost 25, 25 days. Minimum a year. I know those market days are not even every seven days. You know that. Sometimes they're every five days. So sometimes they are up to 60, 70 times a year. 80 times a year. And they put a program where the word of God is being taught. You tell me that you couldn't come because it's market day. You are not worthy of the kingdom. Talking about grace. So, what is Jacob? Jacob is a man that believed in grace. Physically, you might look at him and not like him, but God loved him. So, when God loves a man, you know what he does? He does not bless your inadequacies, he does not bless your shortcomings. He corrects them. I hope you're getting my point. So, he takes you and says, I will not leave you. So, your name is Jacob. You are too devious. He sent you a man of a, into the house of a man like Laban, who's worse than you. So Laban will teach you the fear of God. You claim you like that. You think you are strong. The little strength you have, he breaks your leg. So you can lean more on him. What is he trying to do? To bring you to the place where his promise will be fulfilled in your life. As a matter of fact, as a matter of fact, you need to get to a particular place for God's promise to be fulfilled in your life. Very important. And also, the beginning is that desire for your life to be an expression of the fulfillment of God's promises. You can look at your life and you want it to be an expression of the fulfillment of environmental influences. 
Do you get my point? There are more jobs there to prosper. If I go to Lagos, if I go abroad, if I go to this country, you can live a life like that. You become one of those statistical figures that they give. Young men this particular age are more likely to succeed here. Your life becomes a game of chance. But you can decide to be planted like a tree that is firmly planted by the streams of water so that no matter what's going on outside, in your own, you determine the season, not the environment. So you have your own season. It's not determined by the season of the country. You have your own season. It's not determined by whether Donald Trump wins or <laughs> Joe Biden becomes the next president. It doesn't mean everything will be rosy for you all the time because not every time is your own season. But what's happening in your life is that your season is what you're operating by. Why? Because you are firmly planted by streams of water, which is the word of God. Your life is determined by grace, what God will do in your life in each season. It's a choice we, have, we all have to make. It's a choice we all have to make. That's why wisdom calls. That's why prophets call. That's why Jesus will call. He's asking each person, make your choice. How do you want your life to go? You want to go like Jacob or you want to go like Esau? Esau gets immediate results for your information. Jacob gets everlasting results. Now, everlasting in quotes now. Results that last three generations. The impact of Jacob is felt for centuries afterwards. That's the way it works. Because Jacob, now back to where I read that. I said we should open somewhere. I've read it. Okay, we'll read it in a moment. In Jacob's case, God is preparing you so that grace can flow in your life. So it takes time. It takes time. It might take a year, two, three, five, ten, fifteen, twenty. Don't get discouraged. Twenty-five, thirty. I don't know how long it will take. For each individual, it's different. But God is not in a hurry. Because he has something precious he wants, he wants to bring out of that life. So anything that will hinder that manifestation, he goes after it. So the job you have as a believer in Christ Jesus is to you know, correct, allow him to correct you until the character, the nature, the life of God is more or better manifested or perfectly manifested in that area in your life. Listen, your environment is not determined by chance. Joseph did not fall into the pit by chance. His brother is not throwing him in there because they were wicked. There are two ways to look at life. Look on the mundane side, the physical side. Yes, the brothers were wicked, and God does that. He uses those wicked people. He said he has made everything for a purpose, even the wicked man for his role in the day of destruction. So because of their wickedness, they took a man and threw him into the pit, sold him as a slave, and ended in Egypt. But the Bible says, looking from above, by faith we understand, he said he sent a man ahead of them. Kidnapped, Pete, sold as a slave. He said it was God sending somebody. Did you see it? Two ways to look at it. From the physical realm. Or you see from above. It's a prayer I prayed to God some time ago. Lord, listen. If you come to me and say, Banky, what should I do for you? There are a few things I have. I don't, it's not only one thing. I have more than one. So I had one, right? But me, I have more than one. One of them is, Lord, help me to see from above, not from beneath. When everybody was shouting answers, answers, Christ, or everything, if you heard me analyze, 90% of the analysis I gave was from above, not from beneath. One of our brothers said, this thing spread so fast, I said, that's why they are called horsemen. He said, what? I said, horsemen. They are riders. All he said to me is that this thing spread so fast. Why did this spread so fast? I said, they were horsemen riding. Nobody saw horses galloping physically. 
You know, right now Ethiopia is having a civil war. All right? Okay? I just listened to myself. I said, maybe that is what we deflected. Now they land. The Ethiopians are better wake up and push into the ocean. <laughs> maybe that's what we deflected. Maybe that's what we're heading for. But when we quickly repented and said, God, have mercy on us, everything went quiet. And the spirit just went eastward. And said, who are those quarreling here? And it turned into civil war for them. We heard the story then. This is not Bible. This is people's testimonies. Of those horsemen, they were riding, charging towards South Africa at the end of apartheid. And brethren prayed and prayed. And they deflected those horsemen. And they ended where? In Rwanda. 800,000 people dead in a hundred days by the hands of their neighbors. Not guns, cutlasses, axes, knives. People were, no, when, when it was over, they didn't believe. They tell you, that you are the one that killed this man, his wife, his children, you and your brother, and they are your in-laws. No, we couldn't have done that. You did it. They couldn't believe it. It was difficult to try the people. How do you try thousands of people who don't even understand what they did? I hope you are getting my point. Listen to me. The circumstances of your life are not determined by chance. Learn to see from above, not from beneath. If you lost a job, you lost money, go and pray. Stop focusing on the wickedness of mankind. You should learn to pray like Eli who taught us, where is God my maker? That's, you should learn to pray like that. Where is God my maker? Where was he when this was happening to me? People are wicked. Is it new? They were wicked in the days of Jesus Christ. Pilate was angry. Some men were offering sacrifices. He kills them. His soldiers came. Kills them. According to the word of the scriptures, he mingles their blood with that of their sacrifices. And they came to Jesus and said, see what happened. You know what he said? Do you think they were the worst of sinners in Jerusalem? He said, let me tell you, except you repent, you will all likewise perish. He said nothing about the judgment of Pilate. He said nothing about the wickedness of the Romans. He said nothing about human wickedness. He said to them, better repent or you will all likewise perish. You know what? 40 years later, they all likewise perished. The only ones that survived were the ones that really repented and they listened to his words. And he had warned them ahead of time. When you see the army surround Jerusalem, know that her desolation is near. Therefore, if you're on the housetop, don't go into the house to get anything. Jump down and get out. That's how they survived. He did not, but we are so busy <laughs> analyzing what do you call the people that control fuel price? NMPC, PPMC, thank you. The head of state. And we are there complaining morning, afternoon, and night. Let me tell you again. If you always complain about the head of state, the governor of your state, the um, Senate president, you know, the people in power, you know what God says? You are offering the cries of proud people. He said, they cry by, because of the arm of the oppressor. No one says, where is God my maker? He said, surely the Almighty will not listen to such a cry. Many people have been crying because of leaders. God does not listen. He said, if you wanted to cry, you should say, where is God my maker? Why is it I'm subject to that kind of leadership? Because he said, I will give the Egyptian over into the hands of a cruel ruler. Why did he give me over to the hands of a cruel ruler? You learn to see from above. That's what I'm making. You see from above. Because, you see, you want your life to be a life of grace. That's what we're explaining. Not a game of chance. 
The prayer I pray all the time concerning my life. I say use different words, but this word comes to. You know, Jesus said, when the Son of Man returns, will he find faith on the earth? The Antichrist, the beast, what does he come to do? To wear out the saints, the faith of the saints. He likes to wear people out. So I pray for myself all the time. Jesus said he prayed for Peter like this. I have prayed for you that your faith will not, what? Fail. So I said, Lord, that's which I believed. I began to believe these things about 35 years ago. Let, even if I were to die without seeing the manifestation of it, God, don't let me change my mind. Don't let me change my mind. If you are around on Tuesday, I talked about the power of patience or the oppression of patience. You see what I'm talking about. You locate what to believe and hold on to it. The word of God. And you keep on praying every day that God will find to your understanding. We find to your faith. And stop looking outside for results. I think Christians are confused when they start looking, is this producing results? Who cares? The Bible says Abraham, Isaac, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and the 12 sons, all of these, all of these ones died without having received the promises. I told us on Tuesday we should learn to think beyond ourselves. Start thinking like a generational seed. Yeah, that's a new, a new word I'd like to use for it. That you are being planted as a seed. He said he will see the result of the travel of his soul and he will be glad. Start thinking like that. Not changing your faith for anybody because of the muscle of meat. Never. Never. What am I trying to say? You want your life to be a life of grace. A life in which God manifested himself. Not a life in which you say, how did this succeed? He had to travel, go to a land where things are good and then things now became better for him. Like somebody said, he said, if they will arrest you and accuse you of being a Christian, he said, ask yourself, would there be enough evidence to convict you? <laughs> that they are accusing you you're a Christian. You know, <laughs> I'm in chat groups, you know, sometimes they are not Christian, I mean, like my classmates and all of that. They are who I look at. I want to say, if I present this, our charts now, in the court of law, would they, this charts, will it prove that you are a true believer? I'm not talking about just a scripture quoting person. Make decisions. Make judgments about situations. Analyze events. You see, would that be enough to prove that you truly believe anything? I'm talking about grace, right? Yes. So what, what are we doing? Power to get, get wealth. Power to produce wealth. We are saying that our lives must be lives of grace. Paul said, I'm what I am by the grace of God. And what does that mean? It, mean, it means God, God wants to do something. He looks for somebody, or he, he, he sends somebody. Okay, let me put it like this to make it easier to explain. He looks for somebody, all right, and says, I want to walk through you to produce something on the earth, to bring my will to pass on this earth. Like Jacob, he now says, all right, but I don't like the way you are looking right now. Now, let's talk on the physical plane, all right? I don't like the way you wear your cap. I don't like the way you wear your shirt. I don't like the way you wear your... Trousers, I know you wear your shoes, you know, stuff like that. Then let me start redressing you to become what I want you to be. Uh, now, of course, I'm just in that one to make it easy for us to understand. I'm talking about spiritual traits right now, okay? So, for example, one of the things he does is to, re, you know, he says, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. That's one thing he does. He starts transforming you. We're talking about power to get wealth. It is not who has the ability. Like I said at the beginning, I'm not teaching principles of doing business. I'm teaching how to understand or I'm teaching the understanding of the mind of God. Because anybody who aligns himself 
aligns herself with God's mind, the power of God can flow through that individual to produce what he wants to produce on the earth. Many people listen to me. What God will do with your life, as at now, you have no idea. That if you see yourself in five years and you're able to look back at today, you'll be surprised. That who was that? Was that me? Listen, I've told you before. When people say, write, 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 <laughs> write your dreams on the wall. Better wake up. Better wake up. Don't misinterpret Joseph. Joseph did not have a dream. He dreamt God's dream. I don't know whether you're getting my point. It's not as if he woke up and said, what do I want to be? He just, he just, you know, one day he was sleeping. And he got confused. People say, don't tell your dream to those who don't like you. That's if you think it is significant. I don't know whether you're getting my point. You know, sometimes we analyze it. Ah, he told dreams that those that don't like, the boy was just just Say, bros, things they happen. No, that that I will chop yesterday. You know when you say I should eat four uppers? I was saying this is too heavy. Because I, after eating the upper, I begin dreams. <laughs> they were walking. What do you dream? Hmm. I dreamed that we were in the farm. So you guys say I don't walk. Hmm. We're gathering sheaves. I was gathering sheaves. We're gathering sheaves. I gathered my sheep, kept it down. You gathered your own, kept them down. Strength began to happen. Your sheaves now went near my sheaves and fell down. We carry them up again, they fell down in form of my sheep. What I don't understand is that my sheep was the one standing. The little boy was just gisting, gisting. I don't know whether you are getting my point. It was the elder ones as he was talking, they were looking at him like this. So what can happen now? Our, my sheep was standing, just now bow down to mine. Say, so, what do you talk? I'm warning you, your, your lack of your respect Eh? Is what the problem is in this family. Daddy has mouth. Ah, he maltrained you. Favoritism. Ah, Egbo. I said I dreamt a dream. They, they say, so you, you are saying we will bow to you. I didn't say so. They interpreted the dream for him. They told their father. The father said, look, let's forget. He's just a small boy, small boy. They continue again. Too much talk. The guy wanted dreamt again. The moon. The sun, 12 stars, they were bowing to me. I don't know the kind of dream. Do you have any medicine I can take so I, can't, I won't dream again? What am I saying? He didn't cook up any dream. He didn't. The dream happened to him. And for your information, he did not put it on the wall. For your information, he did not walk towards it. It was his father that put it in his mind. Okay, let me, okay, he put it in his mind, all right? So how did he use that one to reach Egypt? You focus on your dream, so you jump into the pit so they can sell you as a slave. Do you do that? Even if he had it on the wall, how did that help him get to Egypt? How did he get into the house of Potiphar? How did focus on the dream get him into prison? How did he focus on the dream, brethren, help me? How did he focus on the dream, tell Pharaoh to call him? The things of God are usually like this. That it might be fulfilled that which was spoken. Most of the time, we don't know what to do about it. Then they write your dream. Listen, listen, don't worry about writing your dream. I hope you're getting my point. Don't worry about it. I have not seen anywhere in the Bible where the Bible gave us any indication that a man like David wrote any dream anywhere. All he wrote were songs. What did David do to become anointed as king? Nothing. The day they were anointing people, he was not around. It was God that said, you will not anoint anybody until he comes. 
I'm going to say, put your drink on your hand around the wall. Please forget that. I me, mean, I don't understand it. Too. What I'm going to say to you is that what God wants to do with your life, you don't know yet. Just allow him to be working on you and preparing you every day. That is why you come for meetings like this. That's why you log in, all right, if you are streaming online for things like this. That's why you buy books. That's why you read. That's why you go to church. That's why you don't spend all your time on Big Brother something. Because those who don't give you any dreams, they give you confusion. What am I saying? So what is grace? Let's read that one quickly. I said we should read it. It's a portion we have read many times before. Isaiah chapter, 50, uh, chapter 40. A voice is calling. That's verse 3. Clear the way for the Lord in the wilderness. Make smooth in the desert a highway for our God. Let every valley be lifted up. And every mountain and hill be made low. And let the rough ground become a plain. And the rugged terrain a broad valley. Then... The glory of the Lord will be revealed, and all flesh will see it together. For the mouth of the Lord has spoken. Let me stop reading here. What is he saying? That when the glory of God is going to be revealed, what we need to do, this is what the voice is saying to us. Let every valley be lifted up. That is, if the place was depressed, lift it up. Pour sand. Fill it up with stones. Anyone that's elevated, any stronghold in your heart, bring it down. So that a smooth road will be made for the Lord in the wilderness. Then, I'd like to add the word automatically. The glory of God will be revealed. What does that tell you? There's a rough terrain in our lives that's hindering the glory of God from being revealed. It's a rough terrain in our lives that's hindering the glory of God from being revealed. So what are we doing in this teaching? We're getting those terrains sorted out. Turning them to a flat ground. A smooth road that the Lord can no manifest his glory through. That is, if God is going to bring forth wealth, Christian, gospel, you know, spiritual wealth through people, he says, it is not by their own energy. It is by me rearranging them, them cooperating with me, okay, until they become like I want them to be. Then I will give them my dreams, in quote, if they have to dream, my visions, my ideas. There are times I will compel it upon them. I will force them to do what I want them to do. Listen, and I was teaching them again yesterday when we went to Neil to put there. That listen, it is not you that acts on the word though. You've heard it before, act on the word. I preached it before, I used to believe it too. I don't believe it anymore. Say, so Pastor Banker, are you saying we shouldn't act on the word? No. It's the other way around. It's the word that acts on you. You are not the one acting on the word, it's the word that is acting on you. You don't write a dream for God. When God gives you a dream, you can't help but dream it. Did you ever see Joseph, uh, what is his name, Peter? Go to look at God and say, all oh, these unclean things. Let's dream and clean them. He fell into a trance. And he saw that great sheet descending from heaven. All kinds of animals inside it. And the spirit said to him, arise, kill and eat. And he said, lie, lie. Unclean. Never. Never eaten anything like that. He said, what God has cleansed, don't call it unclean. And that happened three times. It was not his idea. God gave him that vision. And God brought Cornelius. He had to cooperate with what God was doing. The problem is that we think, we think this only happens when it comes to teaching, you know, preaching matter, you know, issues of ministry. But it happens even in the creation of wealth. There are things you will do in life you did not plan to do. I hope you're getting my point. But I say amen to that. Too. Amen. It will happen in your life. Don't worry about it. It will happen. It will happen. <laughs> 
Well, let me get into the teaching because there are so many things I feel like saying. But let's, let's, let's let the spirit of the prophet be subject to the prophet. So let me continue what I'm trying to say here. The Lord is good. So what are we doing? We are rearranging our spirits, our thought processes. We are cleansing ourselves of all defilement of flesh and spirit. What do we mean by spirit? Motivation, thoughts, ideas, impulses, ambitions in life. We are cleansing ourselves of every defilement. And I said, when it comes to doing business, now I'm back to it now. That's all just trying to get the whole thing again into the main spirit of what we're talking about. And we said, when it comes to doing business, what does it mean to do business? Is the structure by which we make things happen. It's not the way by which we make money. I said that extensively last time. Very important for Christians not to see what they are doing as God. If this business fails, I will go hungry. Never think like that. See it as, listen, this is the structure God has given me. All right? To make things happen. Definitions are very important. If you read my little book, um, what is God's will here, right? Yeah, that's that little, that tiny thing. Yeah. That's what I tried to explain in that book, the first chapter. I said, what is the will of God? First, you must understand what is the will of God before you can know what the will of God is. <laughs> I don't sound funny what I just said. You first must understand what is the will of God before you can know what the will of God is. What do I mean? When people say, what is the will of God? It means, for example, I'm a young woman. I go to a big church or I work somewhere. Three brothers are on my case. Brother A, brother B, and brother C. Each one of them, they say they want to marry. So I start asking, what, which one is the will of God? What am I asking? There are people that say, which one will my parents accept? It's deep inside their hearts. That's what they are saying. Others are saying that all of them are young, upcoming guys. Which one we, we, we hit in this life? I want the best for myself. And they start praying. What they are saying, what is God's will? What they mean is that, who will say, look, honey, it's your 40th birthday. I dropped a G500 outside one day. Who will be able to do that? I hope you know, it's a very good thing for on your 40th birthday, for your husband to buy you a G550. A G500. Is it not good? It's very good. My, husband, my wife, I'm sorry I didn't do it, but in a condition. Amen? <laughs> I shall do it. Amen? <laughs> the time is coming. Amen? It's a good thing. I'm not saying it's a bad thing. Is that the will of God? Of course not. This is not the will of God. What is the will of God? That's why I wrote in that book. Understand what the will of God is. What does that mean? Who is the person that God created me to run with? He said, draw me unto you, let us run together. Who did God create me to walk, run with amongst them? I don't care who's going to be rich. I don't care who's going to be poor. That's not the relevant thing. Whether my father would like him or not, it's not the thing we are discussing. Who did God anoint me from the beginning? That's my prayer. That's my prayer. That is the beginning, that's the end of it. There are people that God called and their life is poor. As soon as God called them, I will show you things you will suffer for my sake. I tell the story all the time of um, B.D. Chambers. That man turned that lady to a widow at a young age. Not a nice idea. I don't think she would have wished for that. But God sent him, he sent her into his life because he said, this boy, for whatever reason, I'm not saying for a good reason or a bad reason, whatever it is, but for whatever reason, 
At the age of 43, is it 46? I am going to take him away. But he has such a wealth of wisdom, such a wealth of revelation, such a wealth of understanding that I have committed to his mouth. Who will write it down for me? So he turned to the girl, marry him. Not for your sake, but for my sake. One day one of our sisters talked to me, we were talking, she was just, she was so sad, she was unhappy. She said she didn't meet her father for a very long time. For certain reasons, family issues and all of that. So the man divorced his, her mother when he was very small, when she was still small. So when I was growing up, she came to the house and people came. Now she came home and saw people all over the place. What's going on? And I explained to her, that's your father. So the man took her aside, talked to her very well, treated her very nicely, and said, if you need anything, you let me know and all of that. Next month he died. And she was depressed. So that he was talking with me. He said, why would God treat me like this? Now, finally, when I met my father, he took him away. I said, you don't understand. That was not what happened. His day of death had been determined. And God looked at you and said, this girl will never know this man. So he compelled him to go and meet you. He didn't take him away after he met you. He, make, he made him meet you before he died. Turn it around. You will worship God forever. If you are looking at it and say, hey, now I finally found him, God took him away. Then you'll be angry with him. But if you realize that God said, no, 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 he was going to go. He was going to go. But I looked at you in the love that I have for you. I said, this will haunt you all the days of your life. So I told him, go and introduce yourself to my daughter before you go. And that's all he did. That is worthy of thanksgiving. Not something we get angry over. <laughs> so a, man, a woman like Billy Chambers goes, listen, I know you want romance, but there are greater things happening in life than this your romance. There are greater things happening. Go and marry Oswald for, for me. Write down everything. Like one man wrote from Ghana to Yinka one day. And said, please get me all pastor's teachings. Even if he coughs, record it and send it to me. <laughs> so God said to the woman, anything he says, write them down. And she kept writing. Of course, she didn't hear any voice. She did not hear any voice. She kept on writing. Then one day the man took ill. Very young. He was in his mid-40s. And he died. Having written only one book. Without a wealth of revelation and understanding. God said, alright. Next assignment, start publishing. By the time they were done, he has one of the largest collections on earth for authors. And he wrote only one book. They began to publish her Notes that she took while the man was speaking. So when we are praying, what is the will of God? It is not where which one will be romantically involved with me for long. It is who did you say go and run with? Listen to my message, how to find true love. Say, draw me unto you, let us run together. Definitions are important. If you get the right definition, you know the will of God is here. If you follow, I mean, you, the, the power of God in any area flows into your life better if you get the right definition. Like I tell people all the time, know what a wife is, not what the, know, know what the husband is. Get God's definition. Don't let the society give you their definitions because they create confusion in your heart. They tell you that, ah, now you have built a house, you have a car, you have to, in fact, a third one, you have a great business. Why don't you find a wife to be keeping them for you? 
Are you, I hope you're getting my point. Why don't you find? Why don't you find a wife? You know, in fact, they, they, they do they, the way they used to do it in those movies. The worst mother will not come and say, "There's just one thing missing in this house. What is it, Mama?" Won't I see my grandchildren before I die? Oh, Mama, this kind of big house. You have a woman somewhere, and they come and marry you. The last piece of furniture, and you are happy. And they hang you on the wall. They start to tell you if you're not born boy, you never born picking. That's the reason. You're a piece of furniture. The man has acquired everything, so he acquired you, join. And I start running from one prayer house to another prayer house. You don't born two children, girls. The next one has to be a boy. It has to be a boy, because you're a, ba- you're a baby factory. You're not a wife, according to God's definition. New Testament definition, you are not. And I say, widows' rights, widows' rights. Say, widows don't have rights. How can they have rights? They are not what the Bible calls the wife of their youth. Let us get the definitions right. What is a wife? For the young men, there's a person who God says, go and be a helpmate. I have a vision that you guys are supposed to fulfill. You may not do it yet, but get ready. That's a digression. Let's do the main message. So get our definition right. So we believers will understand that doing business, business is not how to make money and become great, materially speaking, physically, cash-wise. Business is how we make things happen. It's how we make things happen. Like I said, kingdom world ministries. Ministries generally, that's a form of business. Jesus said, I will be about my father's business. Was he selling anything in the temple? For that season of his life, that was a father's business. Every business has its own rules and its own regulations. Kingdom word, we produce the teaching of the word of God. And we don't charge fees for it. It's not every business that's like that. Run a restaurant, you produce good food, you charge, you have a menu. Pick the one you can pay for. I hope you're getting my point. Nothing wrong with that. It's another form of business. Say, so your mina has ten, made 10 more. Say, do business with this until I come. So you find out in that particular situation, the business was supposed to be making money. So what does business mean? The way by which we are getting this. All right? Done. How are we making this happen? So now, like I said, that's a... Now, you only give this kind of introduction. Then we'll get back to the continuation. Have we? Yeah, that's where it goes. So let's not go back to the what? The continuation. We'll give that introduction again. All right? So... We say, why do we do business? I don't have the list always in my head, but I know the list. Number one, we said to be a blessing. We'll talk about that. God has put something in your heart with it to be a blessing to people. Then number two, I talked about being what, doing what? Teaching righteousness. God wants to establish righteousness on the earth. Adam was not supposed to just come to the earth, contrary to what is often taught, to come and be plucking fruits. Please don't believe all those things you read. Though. They give the impression that Adam was one naked guy whose job was just climb a tree, pluck fruits, give to his wife Eve, put flour in her hair, and they'll now be eating mango. And they will worship, they will worship. <laughs> worship in the morning, eat mango in the afternoon, talk with the Lord in the evening, then eat purple at night, <laughs> and go back to sleep naked. That's just a caricature of what those guys were like. 
Adam was a serious man. He had work to do. That was why God said it was not good that he was alone. The work he needed had to do needed help. The Bible says God gave him, put him in the garden and said to them, cultivate and what? Keep. Put order into it. He was created in the image of God. You see, God was shown to us in that Genesis chapter 1 as somebody who comes to a situation to put order. You assume the garden was perfect. Let me tell you ahead of time, it wasn't. Before discussing further. So how do you know it wasn't? Well, I, I just have my reason. Because just like everything that God did was perfect. I said, eh, who told you? You assume so. Because the Bible says we saw that everything he did was what? Good. Then he turned around and said, it is not good. Uh, wait, wait. <laughs> did you notice that? He made the man and the man was what? Good. Very good, actually said. Then he turned around and said, there's something about the man that is not good. He said, it is not good that the man is alone. So, nothing is perfect. From the beginning. <laughs> the judgment of good or not good had to do with the particular state they were in. So when it was very good, at that particular stage, it was all right. But when they had to move into a particular area of ministry, of mission, God said, hmm, it is not good. Now, that's what gave him the persuasion, that he made a garden. Even Abraham said it, not Abraham. Even Paul said it, that yes, Jesus died for the whole world, but there's something lacking in the sacrifice. It's simple. He died. If they don't know about it, how can they believe? So what is lacking in the sacrifice is the fact that there is no knowledge of what he died for with most people on the earth. Not all men have that knowledge. So I go around giving them that knowledge. The point I'm going to make is this. So a man like um, Adam, God put a garden there, and he put him inside and told him to do what? Guard it. And he told him to keep it. He was supposed to put a certain kind of additional order into the place. It doesn't mean that what God did was not good, but there was a new kind of order he was supposed to place inside there. This earth is like that also. A lot of disorder everywhere. So God says to us, you are the salt of the earth. You are the light of the world. So what do you do? You go in there and go and teach righteousness. How did Adam know some things? He had angels running around with him. The Lord used to come in the cool of the evening to explain things to him. And he would put order. What am I going to say? There's a way, you know, things are being done. Maybe in a particular industry. And God says to you, go in there, go and do it differently. Teach them order. Teach them order. Other people are doing it like this doesn't make it right. I am saying to you, go and teach them order. Put a new kind of righteousness into that industry. We talked about that before. I don't want to preach all over again. So our example we gave that time, let me just pick one of them, a man like Henry Ford. He said, let's make the cars, let's make them as cheap as possible. Let's make the men as productive as possible. Let's pay the men well so that they can live a decent life or decent lives. That is doable. Let's not put ourselves under pressure. Now, bankers, I love you. You are working in a bank here. You are blessed. Put order in that place also. <laughs> Oswald Chambers said, not Oswald Chambers. No, the one I was talking about just now. Henry Ford said, learn to do business without borrowing. He never did. If you're a banker, don't be angry. What am I to say? 
The man said, the ba- said bankers are devils. <laughs> now, is there a vision in your head? Whatever. You can catch a vision and say, I will bring banking the angelic way into manifestation. Yes. He had his reasons for calling them devils. That doesn't mean they are devils. It just means he thought so. And he thought so from experience. And they say things like, bankers are people that lend you an umbrella when it is sunny and collect it is meant rain starts falling. Is that what banking should be? No. Was that the experience? Yes. Talk to a man once. On the, then he sat on the board of some banks. He was talking with me. He said, people said, he said, he said some of those businesses, they come. They are owing us quite all right. And they said we should, for, we should what do you call it? What's the word? Collect the loan back. Is it foreclose? I know for, for mortgage, they foreclose. What do you do on banks with loans? You liquidate the loan, uh-huh, whatever. So he would tell them that, why do you want to do that? The guy is not paying. He said, but the reason why he's not paying, say he would be arguing with them. He's not a banker, he's a businessman, but he was a rich man, all right, was on the board. And he said, listen, guys, I don't understand what you are saying. This man, we lent him money to buy machines. We lent him money to buy land. We lent him money to hire staff. Now, he can't pay because he can't produce. Why can't he produce? There are no raw materials. He's broke. We can see the facts. The other people say, no, 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 no. Our money, our exposure is too much. We need time to close the whole thing and draw our money in. We cut our losses. He said, no, now. We give this man money to start a business. He will fight the other members of the board to get more money out to, for the man to buy raw materials. And several times when they listened to him, he turned out to be right. You know, Christians like to jerk sometimes. <laughs> Islamic banking, they want to Islamize Nigeria. When I see those jerks, I just get angry. Go and look at the... I don't know. Listen, this is not to tell you whether somebody wants to Islamize you or not. By the way, if you are preaching your gospel, nobody can Islamize you. I hope you're getting my point. The problem you have, why you are afraid of Islamic agenda, is that you are not doing your Christian agenda. I will digress. I will talk about it. Wicked souls calling themselves Christians. When last you send money to missionaries? When last you buy a bicycle, a motorcycle for a missionary somewhere where Islam is trying to take over? Is it not stupid advice you have been giving there? What are you still doing in that place? Did you not have money? You went and bought a house in London so that your children can run there. When things scatter here, you are talking about Islamic agenda. If I ask God to punish you, your house will catch fire. Nonsense. You're not a Christian. You don't believe anything. Lay treasure on the earth. I'm telling you by Islamic agenda. Meanwhile, you are, you are pushing worldly agenda. All you are doing is gathering money so you can locate in one corner of the earth. You don't read your Bible where there's nowhere you can run to on this earth. If you like, go to the bottom of the ocean. You know what David said? God is there waiting for you. Nonsense talk. Just open their mouth and give you nonsense talk. I will talk. I will say it. Christians must wake up. Before you complain about Islamic agenda, come and give me your own participation in Christian agenda. Come and give me your own participation in Christian agenda. You save for one year to buy a car. You have not saved for one year to give money, have you? You say it is acceptable according to what a man has. But you can save for a year to buy a car and pay mortgage for 15 years. Why didn't you say it's acceptable what a man has? Go and live in a bachelor. I tell Christians, listen to me. If you can borrow money, to buy a car, you can borrow money to sponsor the gospel. Are we now? The Lord is good. Back to what I'm trying to say. 
So they take Islamic agenda and Islamic banking. Let's leave your, your, anybody's agenda. If you go and look at the principle of that bank, it's called ethical banking. I hope you're getting my point. What they mean is that we cannot put you under pressure to be paying interest on loans if your business is not doing well. We're supposed to be partners. The concept of their own banking is that bank, banking should be what? Partnership. Not a Sherlock principle. Like I said, I'm not here to support any, anybody's agenda. Just going to tell you certain principles. All right? And before this man I was telling you about, he said, he argued with the people. Let's help these businesses survive. Henry Ford found the opposite as his experience. So he said, all his life, he will never borrow money from any bank again. Because they're always trying to take money away from him when he needs it the most. So he stopped. He taught business people how to survive without borrowing. We're talking about righteousness. We're talking about righteousness. In that context, righteousness means the right way of doing things. The right way of doing things according to God's laid down agenda. So as to ensure productivity on the earth. How does God teach the word righteousness? By his children practicing righteousness. And over time, God will show their lives as examples for others to follow. That is why I said it. Let me say it again. You can't compromise the seed, no matter the pressure. God did not send you to go and succeed materially. He sent you to go and guard the seed. He will give you. He said, I planted. Apollos watered. God gave the increase. Don't pursue the increase. Guard the planting. Guard the watering. I hope you're getting my point here. Because that is actually, is that, you must understand exactly what is most important to the Lord in all that you are doing. It's so that he can tell people this is the way to do it. Don't do it the way everybody else has been doing it. Like I say all the time, if you want to do something, if you have to do it every way, the same way everybody has been doing it, ask yourself, why am I doing it at all? If the only answer you have to give is it makes money, pull out. You have not been sent. So these are the things I'm talking about. And last time I ended with the matter of a good name. And that's what I want to continue with today. Let's read this particular scripture, the book of Psalms. There are so many scriptures to use for that. Let's just read the book of Psalms. Psalm 115. And you will, find, you will find this all over the scriptures. I'm just taking this one as an example because, well, we've been reading this in our house, in our home. So, Okay, let's just read the first few verses, maybe like two verses. He said, not to us, O Lord, not to us, but to your name give glory. Because of your loving kindness, because of your truth. Why should the nation say, where now is their God? I just want to read those two verses. Not to us, O Lord, not to us, but to your name goes all the glory. It's very important we understand that. The third reason we said for doing business is to make a good name for the Lord. That's why I read this. Like I said, there are so many scriptures in the Bible to show it. The name of God is very important. Let's talk about that. The fame of his name, the reputation of his name is very important. The way that God describes himself, primarily, the way he loves is is through people. That is why his name is the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. 
You are not allowed to make any graven image. Right? Three, um, the first three commandments. Number one, you shall have no other God. Number two, don't make any image. Number three, don't place his name on an image that has been made. What we call a vain thing. Alright? What he was trying to say is that it doesn't look like a calf. They made the calf when they were living in Egypt. It doesn't look like any other animal. It doesn't look like a star. Basically, you are forbidden from drawing anything that looks like God in heaven. Now, you must say, then why do we draw Jesus Christ? I'll tell you. Because he lived and he had a flesh. I hope you're getting my point. Yeah, because, and that's why I'm talking about it. The way you describe God is through the people that reflected him. Not a sketch of him. Trying to see what he looked like because you never really saw him. But when God wants to manifest himself, he always enters into somebody and comes down to the earth. So when you now want to describe him, you refer to that person. So he was the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. The concept was this, or is this. Anytime you want to think about him, you need to remember Abraham. Remember the life of Abraham. Remember the dealings of Abraham. Remember the testimonies of Abraham. Put that together, you will know what his God was like. Now, Abraham was too small to alone do it. So God went to, went to Isaac. And I found it interesting when he went to Isaac. No, he went to Isaac. But I found it interesting that he didn't call him the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. He used to put a pause, the God of Abraham, put a comma there. The God of Isaac. He used the word God. Most times he said it. He, that's how he would describe it. I am the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob. Three different expressions. And the reason is because what you perceive from the life of Isaac, the traits of God that are visible there, will not be exactly the same as that you saw from the life of Abraham. And when you come to the life of I, um, Jacob, you will see a different part of him. And just by the way, that's why you must learn the whole counsel of God. Because, again, a digression, you know I do that, alright? I'll get back to what we're saying. That's why you can't just read one scripture and build the whole of the picture of God on it. God forgives sins. So you now say, if anybody's punishing sin, is the devil. That's not true. God forgives sins through us. He does. God punishes sin through us. That's another side of him. People magnify one side. When they want to see the God that forgives and forgives and loves and all of that, they say you don't need to fear him. That is true. He's a loving God. But when you turn around and see the God that punishes sin, you should fear that one. <laughs> so it's when you put everything together, you have a picture of God. And the best person that showed us what God is like is who? The Lord Jesus Christ. That's why in the New Testament, the name God of Abraham ceased. The name God of Isaac ceased. The name God of Jacob ceased. The only time I saw it in the whole of the New Testament, all right, after the resurrection of Jesus Christ, was when Peter was speaking to Jews. Otherwise, every time his description became what? God, the father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Because with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, they tend to narrow down to the Jewish nation. 
But for everybody, they went outside. Behold the Lamb of God that takes away the sins of the whole world. So they said to the house of Cornelius, You have heard of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, how God anointed him. Are you getting my point? They are heard of Jesus. So they started using Jesus to describe God the Father. As the Father has sent me, completely for me, so send I you. Thank you very much. So, what I would want to say, the same way Jesus is used to describe God the Father, so you and I are supposed to be used to describe him today. I hope you are getting my point. One reason we do business is so that we can describe God accurately. It's a, you know, it's a continuation of that righteousness thing. One part of the name of God I enjoyed most when I learned about it is that God was called the fear of Isaac. The fear of Isaac. What does it mean for him to be known as the fear of Isaac? It's simple. Isaac feared him. Did you hear what I said? Isaac feared him. Isaac feared him. A man came to me once. I was overpaid some money many years ago somewhere. So I went and met them. Quite a, a, a huge sum for that time. So I said, please, there's a small issue. I'm having an issue here. I was paid this amount of money. I, didn't, I don't think it's the correct thing. Oh, the man said, I've been calling to come and see you. Come, come, let's walk. So he walked me out of the office. We're having a walk. He said, oh, that's not, that's not the problem. I should take half of the excess and give him half of it. <laughs> now, first, he must think I'm a very foolish person. If I give you half, there will be no record. But me, that I was paid the excess. There's a record. And when Erufai becomes minister for... <laughs> you, are you getting my point? And they come after me. They are going to deny me. But that's not the important thing anyway. So I told him that, why would I do that? That that's not good. He said, I shouldn't worry that if anybody, if anybody knows, nobody will know. I said, bros, somebody's going to know. He said, look, he's the one in charge. He's telling me, nobody will know. I said, Gabby, somebody will know. He, he like, look, this blackhead, you don't get my point. Let me explain it clearly to you. This deal is just between you and me. We paid the money, we have paid it. Nobody will know. I, I did like this. Somebody will know. He got the point. Say, I should write a check and do this and this and return the money. I said, I will do that. So as soon as I got to my office, I wrote an official letter about it and sent it in. There is on record that I complained about this. Of course, they took their money back in a, in, a, in a particular way. Now, the point I'm trying to make here is this. The somebody will know. I told him clearly. I said, bro, somebody will know. Somebody will know. He got my point instantly. That's what they call the fear of Isaac. So if you did, if you did business with Isaac... He couldn't cheat you. If you overpaid Isaac, don't worry. But the day he finds he's going to give your money back. If you forgot his, your change with him, don't worry about it. Anytime you come back, Isaac was somebody you could deal with and you didn't have to count money. Why? He feared somebody. You know, many pastors these days, you know what, what my wife came to a conclusion concerning long ago? They don't fear God. They don't fear God. They, they have absolutely no fear of him. What they did was to teach themselves a doctrine that you don't need to fear him. 
And they began to teach the rest of the church that doctrine that you don't need to fear God. But hear me today, it's a lie. They lie to themselves, they lie to you. You need to fear God. Though. John Bever said he went to prison to go and visit. He wasn't in prison, he went to visit. He went to visit this old man now, Jim Baker. Jim Baker was America's most famous, was, okay, let me put like, number one televangelist. Maybe the only preacher they probably knew more than him was Billy Graham. But being on TV, he was number one. In 1988, certain scandals broke out, had to do with sexual immorality, mismanagement of funds, and all of that. Make a long story short, I read this book, I was wrong, okay? It was a nice man. It was a nice man. So they took him, charged him for all kinds of fraud. Wire fraud, mail fraud. When Americans want to charge you, I tell people, when you want to commit crime, please go to Europe. They'll put you in a hotel, they'll call it prison. You'll kill, is it 80 people that guy killed? And they'll give you 21 years imprisonment. If you kill two people in America, your grandchildren will go to prison. <laughs> is it Brovik or whatever his name is? Killed 80-something people and they gave him 20 years imprisonment. I said, these guys are nice people. Americans give you more jail term than that for stealing money, according to them, by mail fraud. Anyway, he was charged and sentenced to 35 years imprisonment. Yes. But while he was in prison, God was dealing with him. And when God was done with him, God released him. How did he release him? He made the first judge make certain statements. So his new lawyer picked on that. They appealed throughout this. Not the conviction, the sentence. So they resentenced him to a shorter term, like five, six years or so. So he served that one out and he was released. Now, John Bever said he went to go and visit him in prison and he said to him, all that while, how could you do stuff like that? Didn't you love God? You know, love God. Ah, he said, love God. I loved him. So, sir, what was the problem? I didn't fear him. That was the testimony of Jim Baker to John Bever. The love of Christ, that was not a problem. The fear of him was the problem. We didn't fear him. We just assumed that whatever we did, if it's the cause of his gospel, we overlook it. I'm adding my own words now. We just said him sorry afterwards and everything will be okay. So sometimes when my wife will see what preachers will do, she will look at me and say, don't they fear God? Don't, she'll just say, don't these people fear God? I say, my sister, me too, I weak. Because there are things I will just, I just hear. I say, ah, you don't, you're not afraid of God. Me, <laughs> so you say, God said when he did not say, and you know he did not say. And you think he will keep quiet? Oh, what? You bold, though. You know, there's a, there's a kind of boldness that I can't understand it. You come to church, <laughs> one of my friends is your, your guy. This will go to your church. <laughs> one early morning, he called me. Early morning. We're well, not too early, not like 5 a.m., but me like around to 7 in the morning. I answered him. I was like, ah, what's going on? He said, Pastor, there's trouble, though. I said, what happened? He said, Pastor, there's problems. <laughs> I said, what's going on? They told me that he just coming from church. He left his church angrily. Because they, got, they told them they have an early morning service. Everybody came by, it's 6 a.m. And the pastor said, God is going to bless somebody today. Of course. Okay. God is going to bless somebody today. What do you say? 
Is that not a good prayer? So he said, Amen. As loud as your Amen is, so shall your blessing be. Mm, louder Amen. They were shouting the Amen. If you are amongst those that God will bless this money, rush forward right now with 50,000 there. The guy went to where his wife was, dragged her by the hand and said, let's go. <laughs> dragged his wife out of the church, entered his car and zoomed off. Why was he angry? He said, why didn't you just tell me it's money we needed? Why would you wake me and my wife out early this morning? Cause us to come to church because you want to raise money. He was so angry. That's what they came to do, raise money. In case you don't know, if you're a pastor, that is what they call wickedness. That's evil. That's evil. Instead of answers, we should label some people end pastors. Seriously, some things are just evil. When you see people sitting in church, you're not seeing children of God that need to be blessed. You're seeing cows with their orders full, ready for milking. The, the greatest milker is the most anointed. My wife will look and say, don't they fear God? Let me say simply, people of God fear God. It's possible to be a child of God and not fear him. That's why David said, fear the Lord, ye his saints. That's what David said, fear the Lord, ye his saints. It is possible to be a Christian and not fear God. Let me end that one there. Please, fear God. He was called the fear of Isaac. Isaac, for the fear of God, would not cheat you. Isaac, for the fear of God, if he sells you 10 liters of fuel, because he owned the filling station, you could take the 10 liters to the Committee for Standards and Measures of your country, it will be 10 liters. If Isaac says to you, this is 50 kg bag of rice, weighed at MIT. It will be 50 kg bag of rice, shifting to the left or the right only by reasonable doubt measure. Are you getting my point? If Isaac told you this was manufactured in Japan, it will have been manufactured in Japan. Isaac would not tell you when one day, you know, Nigerians, oh God, very funny, Imam is. The natural Nigerian, you know, if he die better, is the spiritual one that God will bless. The natural one, his wickedness is bad. I went to worship one day, so, you know, Nigeria has a ban on importation of rice, right? And we grow a huge amount of rice locally now. We were supposed to be on track to be the third largest producer of rice in the world. I don't know what, where we are right now, okay? Now, so I saw one, one guy put rice there. I said, which one this one? He said, now, local rice. I said, you sure? No. He said, this is foreign rice. I said, are you sure? He said, this is now, now local foreign. And this one now. <laughs> it had the, the bag was of a foreign brand, but the content was growing in a bag. <laughs> One day she went to the rice mill and she saw a man bagging rice in that this is a locally grown. No, this rice is locally grown. They've been processed there and been bagged into Thailand, <laughs> Thailand bags. So you look at the man like what no Thailand 50 kg. What is inside? 36 kg. 40 maximum. So my wife said, Ah, okay. 
Sorry, is that not a foreign labor? He said they want foreign rice. <laughs> foreign rice, I will give them. <laughs> oh God, have mercy. Why is some people do it? Do you know some people wanted to make fake beer and stout? You know what they did to make it foam? They put detergent. Yeah. God has to send people to hellfire. I mean, there's no choice. No, if you were God, no, no, no. Let's think about it, me and you. If you were God, you give people detergent to drink so that when they are pouring it, you go to the <laughs> When people say, hey, a good God will not send people to hellfire, I say, hey, he didn't want to. When he saw the idea, he said, no. After all, he said, this was created for the devil and his angels. But when he saw the deeds of mankind, he said, no, people are going to join the devil. These guys will mix, mix detergent with a drink. So that when you pour it, it will bubble. Now that caught them, that's how come I know. Now that caught them. Ha. Listen, if you tell me God shouldn't create a fire, then you don't know the wickedness of man. Let me not bore you with the wickedness of some, some of our brethren from one Asian country whose name I shall not mention. It's a particular Asian country. I won't tell you the name. I said, tell my wife, anything edible made, in there, made from there, not the chop. One of us married that and she didn't get my point. One day inside traffic, she bought a bag of um, sweets, like chocolates or, or stuff. A Kurodu Road, you know, Lagos. I took the bag, I saw the country was made, I wound down, threw it onto the express. She couldn't believe it. What? I said, I told you, don't eat anything made in that country. You guys are too evil. <laughs> they will package any. She didn't, you know, we just married that and she didn't get my point. Thank God it's not America. I had to pay $500 for a liter. But I was like, what? No. Make something. I'm not going to eat it. Human beings can be wicked. Just by the way, if you're a child of God, if you do anything like that, you make something that's not fit for human consumption and you sell it. God will punish you. Let me leave it like that. And even if you're not a Christian, now they have heard me now, your punishment is being offloaded. Are you getting my point? Oh, let me say it. In the name of Jesus Christ, your punishment will be offloaded four times on your household. The house you built with that money will catch fire on Sunday at 9 a.m. when you have gone to your fake church. You will not see rain. You won't see cloud. Yet your house will collapse with one little thunder. I saw you pastors collecting the offering that's making them feel happy. They won't. Let's leave it like that. People can be so wicked. My wife would look and say, don't they fear God? Lack of the fear of God is why a man will make a fake product and sell to another person to consume. That's what they call lack of the fear of God. 
It was called the fear of Isaac. Isaac wouldn't do that. Isaac wouldn't take what is yours and not pay for it if he was supposed to pay for it. That's why it was called the fear of Isaac. Why do we do business? To reestablish that good name of God. And I'm calling out. Now keep on saying that the Spirit is calling. Believers, go out to do business to redeem God's name because his name has been, you know, has been blasphemed. It pains God. It's one reason why God doesn't give us the kingdom. Interpret that. God give you understanding. It's one reason why he doesn't give us the kingdom. You know what God said to David? He said, because of you, the name of God has been blasphemed amongst the Gentiles. They knew you as a man of God, the king of God. Ruling over the kingdom of God, so to speak, on this earth. Then you took Uriah, uh, you took Bathsheba, and killed his uh, husband by the sword of the, of the Ammonites. God said, what is going on here? One reason why God disciplined David was to redeem his own name. He said, even though I can't forgive you. But I need to make a point. The Edomites must know that I don't tolerate this. The Ammonites must know I don't tolerate this. The Egyptians must hear and be afraid of me. Everybody that time knew why David went into trouble. So what you should do, your just consequence is death. But because you have repented before me, because he fell down before the prophet Nathan and said, I have sinned against the Lord. So I have, I have taken away your sins, you will not die. He said, but the child will die. Why? My name is being blasphemed. And every judgment Nessan read before that point came to pass. Everything. I will raise up a sword against you from your own household. Look at how his sons rose up against him. Absalom. What you did in secret, your enemy will do it in broad daylight. Absalom became the enemy of his father and slept with his concubines on the rooftop. You know why God did it? He said, I need to redeem my name, my guy. I need to redeem my name. Don't treat me like this. He's jealous for his name. Don't treat him like this. It's gotten to a point in our nation and many nations of the earth. You know, there was a time that when people wanted honest people, they went to church to get stuff. When they wanted honest people, they went to church to get stuff. I don't think it happens much anymore, if it happens at all. And you know what I found out? All kinds of congregations. You see some people that they make up they will not use. They say it is the worldly thing. They will tie their scarf in a manner that you can see that they, they, they think is the way to heaven. But when they see money, they worship it as much as any crooked politician. Once somebody said, help this particular person for me, a lady. My wife said, won't you tell her to come to the house? I said, whose house? Like, ah, I said, eh, whose house? I said, you don't know the church is coming from? I said, I don't want trouble for my soul. <laughs> I said, no. I said, no, we will talk on the phone. I shall help thee. On the phone. But thou shalt not approach unto mine abode. In the interest of peace and godliness. 
I was telling the other day, the man told me that he rented his house to a church. I said, ah, ah, why would you do that? I knew the church. <laughs> I said, why? One of our brothers, he does business business in Abuja. He said, if you want your money, it is safer to deal with an allergy. Do you know what I said? If you are doing business, he said it is safer to deal with an alhaji. He said, because it's my brethren, they won't pay you. He told me that. He mentioned the name of one powerful man of God. A name if I mention here, only the dead here will not recognize the name. You know, big man in Nigeria. He said when he's watching the man on TV, he's angry. Why? Because, you know, grant that we shall sit on thy left and on thy right in thy kingdom, right? He said, the people that sit on his left and his right, they are owing him money. I don't know whether you are getting my point. Imagine I go somewhere to preach now. And two of you sit on my left and my right. And six years ago, <laughs> you never pay bank, never pay your staff, never pay anybody. And let's welcome Pastor Bank here and then I lean on both of you. Hallelujah. No guys just get to pack their bag. <laughs> Say, my wife is calling me. She did house. My children want to go to a party. He told me. He mentioned the name of the man, the man of God. Now, this is the painful part. Do you know such people? That pastor will think they are nice people. Oh, they can give to church? If we are doing a crusade, sir, the Lord said I should sponsor the crusade. Hey, that one will say, my son. You know, tell me, my son. My son. You become the son of the father. Please, don't give me money. Go and pay people that you are owing. You did business, pay them. I hope you are getting my point. God's name right now is being blasphemed. It's being blasphemed. When you mention Christian, it doesn't count. I told you the story last time of a man who. He, a man gave him the opportunity to take the goods away without paying. Say, I'll bring the money back. Say, there's no problem. The man came back, paid him. He said, well, how come you agreed in this our generation when nobody's been tra- nobody's trustworthy? You trusted me. The man said, you didn't say God. He said, I was waiting for you to drop the name God. I'll collect my goods. He said, but he said, just trust me. I will bring your money back. He said, I decided to take a chance on you as a person. Because you understand that your integrity is at stake. He said, but those who mention the name of God over time, they've been always the ones that will defraud me. So when they hear the name God, I move away. God is not their fear. One reason we do business is to establish a good name for our God. Now, the good name will be initially apparently for us. I hope you're getting my point. It will be Mr. John does not lie. Mr. John does not defraud people. Then after a while, people start associating with, oh, you know that is the church he goes to. You know the man says he's a Christian. He's a true Christian. Remember the story I told you of a man? I did a committee in my office and we had work to do. And there's something done urgently. I called the man. Do this for me. Somebody said, we can get somebody to do it. Some of my staff, they brought the man. I hear you can do this, say yes. How much do we pay you? He said 1.8 million. That's the last price he will take. No, 1.7. If I remember well. I said, the best I can pay is 1.4. I have my reasons. He said 1.7. I 
I said, oh God, look, I know this thing can be done for less. It's just I'm, I'm desperate. Time is not on my side. The inspectors are coming. We need, we need to get things done. That's why I'm offering you 1.4 million. There is no way I will pay more than that. And the man said, there's no way he will take less than 1.7. I couldn't understand it. It's a job I knew he could do. If we had time, I could get somebody to do it for less than a millionaire. It's time I didn't have. The guy turned around and this, I was walking out of the office. I, I was confounded. I don't know whether you're getting my point. Like, you're making a lot of money. I'm offering you 1.4 million, which I'm guaranteeing you will be paid. I will walk over to the chief executive's office. He will sign your money. The guy said he's going. And he turned and started going away. Then I was wondering. There's suddenly something in me just said. So, you know, my thought, it thought just flashed in my mind. So I called him and said, oh, you are not giving me anything. So he turned around and came back. Then he dawned on me. 300,000 euros was supposed to be my own. Uh, I said, is that why we've been fighting? <laughs> I said, oh, excuse me. You don't have to give me anything. He turned around. He said, that's where I'm going. Which one is your church? Those were his words. Which one is your church? That's what he asked me. He said, which one is your church? I'm a Christian character, right? But it's not about the church I attend. Sit down. Will you do the job for 1.4 million? He said, no. If I don't have to give you anything, of course, 1.4 million is very good. I said, when is it corruption is bad? Eh? Believe it. This guy was going to keep me stalled because he thought he had to give me 300,000 naira out of the money. I even sweetened the deal for him. After he agreed, we signed the deal for 1.4 M. I said, let me do, you, let me do another one. I will add 50,000 naira to it if you do it in a certain number of days. He promised he would do it. I said, don't worry, I'll convince the chief executive to pay. So he's surprised. We virtually counted the money for him as cash few days later. The question he asked me is, which one is your church? Please, when you start joining them to change figures, you are not disgracing yourself. You are disgracing your church. I hope you are getting my point. (laughs) Yes. Yeah. The man asked, which one is your church? Right now, Listen, let me tell you something. Let me just say it so I can begin to round off. Now, our country of today, the name of God needs redemption. And you and I have that duty. The name of God needs redemption. You and I have that duty. And it's going to cost you. Salvation has a cost. I say that all the time. It has a cost. It has a cost. Salvation has a cost. It's going to cost you. As only the Bible says, as far as it depends on you, follow peace with all men, right? That's where you start from. What I mean is this. There are things, there are, there are people who are aggressive, they are firefighters when it comes to fighting corruption. I'm asking you to start with that. Start with the one that I've just said, as much as what? It depends on you. Start with that one. If you, do a, if you start a business, listen. You know, there's one they used to do in my part of the country. I don't know about whether they do it in Enuga. I can't remember. You know, when I came to Enuga, I was married. So, I, 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 I don't know. I, I can count the number of times I went to the market. One day my wife said I should go and buy. It was a Christmas time. 
Hombre, so she was in the house. She, um, Jedida, Israel's wife, and a number of people, they were baking and all of that. And I said, please, she's going to help them buy egg and um, eggs, sugar. She gave me a short list. Do not when I realized I didn't know the price of eggs. I'm not kidding. I got to Ruban. So I took a pack of sugar. I went with um, one of our sisters, dear God, that day. She, she came to see me. I said, okay, follow me so we'll be talking. So she was doing all the picking. I looked. So when I saw the price of the sugar, I said, I, I think it's another chip, so take two just in case. <laughs> I had no idea. Ah, I had no idea. That all is good. So that just by the way. When I was young, I used to see things like people want to buy, they know, you know they sell things in tin, you know, tin, uh, like tin containers, like empty tomato, you know, stuff like that. They used to measure. So they used to do something. They would knock under. Have you seen that thing before? They would knock under it. Some they will they will hit the sides. They would do a hand. The one they used to do that used to make me laugh. Those who sell granules will put paper at the bottom of the container so the granules will stand on top like the fool. They say, give me three. When they finish pouring, you look at, ah, three of those cups, now this. You look inside, the rest in the paper. Now, this is where I'm going. If you're a Christian, never do it. The one we keep on saying to people is, eh, eh, that's how it is done. That's what I'm saying. Somebody has to change how it is done. That's exactly what we are saying. He was if you don't like this, they will not buy. I said, then shut down the business. You're not here for your own sake. You are here to represent somebody. This is not how to represent the person. Why should you, do you know one of the things that God hates? Is defective measures. Unjust weights are what? An abomination. It gets your house burnt. People don't get it. Don't play with it. Unjust weights. Different measures. What they call different measures. Those days when you want to weigh, you know, maybe you are selling stuff, they use scale, this thing. This is one kg. The one kg for when you want to buy is different from the one kg when you want to sell. That's what they call differing weights. They are an abomination to the Lord. That's what I'm making. Why do we go out to do business? We want to get a good name. That people, once we are associated with something, people will know that it has to be good. Have you heard this thing before? Buy this one. I said, I prefer this one. That one, I just name. Have you heard that thing before? I just name. That's a statement of ignorance. There's nothing just about name. You cannot look at name and say it's just. We are streaming, we are talking, so I will not appear to be advertising for brands. There's a particular brand of phone I use. People say, you always buy this one? I say, yes, I have used them for years. They have never failed me. The one I have currently had a fault. It came with two-year warranty. I went, gave it to them. They fixed it for me, but... That was, and that was the first one I'm having that's having a fault. I've used the different types of their devices. When I say it's just name, I, 
Let me give you a gist. One of my friends imported some phones some time ago. Somebody's selling gift to him to sell. He said, I'm going to give you, I'm going to give to you. He said, they're Android phones. The Android was not a common name that time. I said, what's the brand? He said, it's Android. I said, no, no, Android is not a brand. It's an operating system. What's the brand? Anyways, it was a brandless phone. So he now said, Banky, I'll give you, he was going to give me a 20% discount on the selling price. I told him not to bother. I wasn't planning to buy. Ever. He now did something with it that made me laugh. You know when you turn, you know phones have auto rotate, you know, landscape and portrait. So he's looking at the phone, he turned like this, then he go knock the head. <laughs> I said, What are you doing? He turned like this, he go tap the phone, I say, Oh. It's what they call accelerometer inside the phones. I just laughed. I said, That's why it doesn't have a name. It has nothing to defend. So they pack all kinds of rubbish. And everybody that patronized this device he was selling had a complaint about them. And I went back and said, This it doesn't have a name. When people have nothing to defend, this is how they behave. When the Bible says a good name is better than silver and gold, don't joke with that statement. That's why when you see a particular there are brands you see, you know it's good. It may be expensive, but you know it's good. You bet you not know, on it. You bet your money on it. That, let, buy that for me. I know it will save me. This is where I'm going. That is what God wants you to do for him in whatever you are doing. But remember what we began from Psalm 115. Let's go back there again. He said, not to us, O Lord. Not to us. But to your name give glory. Because of your loving kindness, because of your truth, why should the nation say, where now is their God? The point I'm making here is this. We are not doing these things for ourselves. We are not. We are not doing these things for ourselves. We are doing these things for the glory of God. No, I say we are rearranging our thoughts so that God can pour his grace and his wealth through us. That's what we are doing. I'm not taught you how to go and make money, how to go and do No. I'm just saying, this is what God is saying. So when you are going out to do anything, just know that I'm not doing this for myself. Oh, I'm doing it for the Lord. I'm getting a good name. I need to, people need to know I'm a man of integrity. I'm a woman of honesty. I'm a person of, you know, you know a trustworthy individual. Not for my sake, but because I represent somebody in what I'm doing. Let me take a moment and talk about the spirit of excellence. Because it is crucial. That we learn excellence. We have to show divine excellence. Let me put that as another point. Because one of the ways we show the, the glory of God is to demonstrate divine excellence. Please let me beg you as a believer. You know, they asked a man once. It's, it's a well-known um, story. Okay, I can't give you facts and figures. One of these beautiful um, artists of those days. And he was carving a particular angel or something into the part of a pillar and they were building a cathedral somewhere in Europe and this was going to be covered by the roof. People would not see it from outside. It would be difficult for people to see it. And I was spending so much time carving it. And they said, why are you bothering with all of this? Nobody's going to see it. He said, but God, he said, God will see it. That is what I'm demonstrating is his excellence. I'm putting my own words now. Nobody will see it, but he will ask me, was that the amount of skill I gave you? 
Please, whatever you are doing in life, do not be satisfied until it is perfect. I'm not saying don't do anything until it is perfect. Did I say that? What did I say? Don't be satisfied. Be uneasy. Be dissatisfied until there is perfection in it. Don't be satisfied. Don't say, use her like that. People, they manage up. You know, do you know the truth? For a long time, I used to think clothes made abroad were sewn with, not with human hands. I didn't, honestly, I, I did not think they were made with human hands. I thought there must be something special that, you know, Yes, they have good machines. I'm not saying they don't have. The one day I discovered, they're made by patient people who were taught to be skillful. So they tell you, this shirt is size, let's say size 17. And you check a hundred, they will all be the same size. He said, they have this. Yes, they have. I agree with you. But they deliberately put in those checks and balances for that purpose. You know, this tiling thing is Italian. That the way they lay tiles, not one bubble of air <laughs> under it. So that they are very meticulous. That the way they will lay the tiles, when they are done, the thing is 100% perfect, but it takes more time. So the one guy said, oh, you pour this milk. <laughs> go, go, go to the next. Go to the next one. Listen, I'm telling you, people of God. God is an excellent God. He said, open to it. Let's read 2 Peter chapter 1. 1 Peter chapter 2, sir. Sometimes when you, when you see some people do work, you just know. Please, please don't think I'm cursing people. I'm telling the truth. Though. Just know this guy can never be blessed like this. There's no point. It's not that God doesn't want to bless him. He rejects the blessing with his own work every day. I want all of us to read this together. We're going to verse 9. I'm sure you guessed. If you are there, say amen. Whatever version you have, please read verse 9 for me. One, two, let's go. But we are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for God's own possession, so that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who has called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Can just stop there, verse 9. My version says that you may proclaim the excellencies. You may proclaim the excellencies of God, of Him who has called you. God is an excellent God. And whatever you do in life, you must strive for what? Excellence. Excellence. You must strive for excellence. Whether it's been demanded of you or not, you must strive for excellence. You must. No ma- if it's food you are cooking, strive for excellence. If it's clothes you are making, strive for excellence. If it's buildings you are building. You know, I see some buildings. Ah, Enugu is blessed. Somebody say amen. amen. We have an excellent spirit. Somebody say amen. amen. One day I, I went to one city. I won't mention the name because we are streaming. Eh? I will not mention the name of the city. My God. I see buildings. <laughs> if you teach 
children, mathematics with those they are building, they go fail. Because right angle there <laughs> is 85 degrees <laughs> or 92. They can't seem to get right angles correctly. You know, I come from Enugu where buildings are stone-coated roofs. You see our, you know what they call uh, uh, facial, what they call that thing, concrete facial, parapet. When we do things in Enugu, far die in heaven. God has to live here. He has to come down and tabernacle here. When they get to some places, he said, Michael, Gabriel, me and I stay here. <laughs> me and the son, we are, we are going to Enugu. <laughs> so I look and say, which kind of workmen do you people have here? They will arrange tiles. At the top of the tile, there's a one millimeter gap. At the bottom, there's four millimeter gap. They will now pack one funny cement to plaster in between. And you look. And I've, you know, you've been to places where the, the, the tiles are properly inserted. And you now say, no, this must be, have been done by computerized robots. No, they were done by human beings who were taught the spirit of what? Excellence. Excellence takes time, but it's a mission. It takes time, but it's what? A mission. It's something we do not for our sake. Not for us, oh Lord. Not to us, but to your name. Give glory. We're not doing these things for our sake. I'm doing it for the sake of the Lord. Listen, we have spoiled his name. God looked at David. He said, because by this deed you have given occasion to the enemies of the Lord to blaspheme, the child also that is born to you shall surely die. That comes to me right now as a prophetic word. Any business you are doing, remember, child is offspring, seed, things you birth. Anything you are doing by which you are causing the name of God to be blasphemed shall surely die. That's a warning. It's a prophetic warning. I just gave it to you. God said, enough of this nonsense. You do ministry. Once I heard the story of one minister. Name was everywhere one time. Then later on, we got closer and heard. Everybody that interacted with him got into trouble. You hear stories of sexual immorality. You hear stories of fraud. The defraud. Ah! Guess what happened? This scripture was fulfilled. The ministry died. I just quoted from you from the words of Nathan to David. He said, however, because by this deed, you have given occasion to the enemies of the Lord to blaspheme. The child also that is born to you shall surely die. That is a warning, people of God. That is a warning. Whatever you are doing, don't give occasion for people to blaspheme. Listen to me. Even when it comes to excellence. Handling money don't give occasion. You must be honest. To choose Dickens, the people must have a good reputation. They must not have love of money. I don't have to tell you, do this, don't do this. But there are things you know. That sometimes you take loss. For the sake of the name of the Lord. Bear that in mind. Sometimes you take loss for the sake of the name of the Lord. When it comes to money, your dealings must be impeccable. When you're offering people stuff, you must be truthful. You must be truthful. If you don't know, say I don't know. Now, I remember somebody a few days ago. Somebody that my wife knew. 
And the person used to do something. I just said, this fellow, you won't last in business like this. I just remember it about two, three days ago. You buy a product. It's not good. You sell it to somebody else. My wife said, that is not good. It won't last. Though. She said, I'll sell it like that now. She said, but you're spoiling their hands. She said, is it my fault? That is irresponsible. What do I call it? It's irresponsible. Your name is being tarnished. You must understand that. And that is the name of God. And I'm saying to you, anything you are doing by which you will get the enemies of the Lord to blaspheme, it will die. It will not die because it's natural for it to die. It will die because the prophetic word of God went out. Like Nathan spoke to David, it will remove life from it. That is that word that is killing it. I'm sorry to say it, ministries will die. Oh, ministry, you know, some, you know I told you, there's only, they are not, most chat groups I mean, they are Christian chat groups, okay? And I have only, there's one actually, my classmates, that I'm really involved in, that's not a Christian chat group. <laughs> I have one or two guys there, they like to, they like to mess with preachers. If I were only joking one of them, I said, the way you are so focused on Christians, you will soon give your life to Christ. But there are times, there are times Christians will do some things that you'll be embarrassed. You will just look like, you know what I just told him? I said, you know what concerns you? They mention your name. <laughs> I turned it to them like, leave it now. Now your matter. You say you are not a Christian. Stop, leave us. We are in church. We will solve our problems, you know? But some things are what? Embarrassing. What am I saying? We must stop it. Otherwise, God says, that child will die. Listen, from now on, go and write it somewhere in your business. Jesus is Lord, not for everybody to see, but for you to see. Jesus is Lord over this business. Integrity, your watchword. I hope you're getting my point. Honest. It must radiate from there. Honest. People must know that if these people say something, they are telling the truth. And if for any reason you make a mistake, call your customers. Call your clients and confess your mistake to them and apologize and make amends. Please stop saying stupid sorry. You know what you know I call stupid sorry? Give a washerman my clothes to wash once when we're in Lagos. He burnt my trouser. You know they burnt, you know they want iron? Sure. Left a triangular hole. Then he came to my house to prostrate. And still expected me to pay for the load of work he did. I said, this is why God won't bless people. That sorry is fake. It's an irresponsible sorry. You burnt my trouser. Don't tell me to. Just tell me, oh God, please. What will it cost? All right, we wash this amount of clothes for you. Please, instead of giving you cash, we we'll waive the cost of. The man will say, don't worry, worry. Did you hear what I said? He said, no, don't worry about it. Say, oh God, it's not about you, it's about me. My wife told me something the other day. And I said, you, you handled this young man well. There's a young man that she knows. Man called, the young man called her and said, please, ma, can you help me? I need to borrow a certain amount of money from you. I'll pay you back this time and this time. She said, okay, it was not too much money to give to her, to him. And then first installment, he paid back. Second installment, he called and said, please, oh, I don't know, what, can I delay this one? She said, no. He said, I know what you are thinking, that I don't need the money. I know the matter of fact, I don't. So it's not about me, it's about you. I don't want you to join the people that when they give their word, they never keep it. 
He said, I know you are going to be flat broke. But pay. You told me you will pay. The young man quickly paid. Then she called him three days later and said, how broke are you? The guy said, right now, I'm dead. <laughs> she now sent him some money again. He said, please, I just wanted to teach you something. And guess what? He appreciated the lesson. He said, you want to become a storyteller? Oh, not to your name, not to us, oh Lord, not to us, but to your name. We are doing this for the name of the Lord. Please, accept your righteousness surpasses that of the Pharisees, Jesus said. I want to talk about surpassing righteousness. Let's even get down to simple things like, you know, it's very common, those who make clothes, they are master disappointers, two of us. He said, sometimes there's pressure. Eh? Listen, that is why you will sit down and plan for the pressure. Here is Christmas time now. Hey. Plan for it. If you can't deliver, don't take the job. Plan for the pressure. Do you know why I talk about surpassing righteousness? Samuel, God so blessed Samuel, he said if he made a promise, he never failed. He said none of, not one of his words fell to the ground. I'm Give another rendering to that. When it's within your power, do it. What I mean, plan it. I can only do four in a day. So, I am going to take four for the next one week minus one. So instead of 20, I take maybe 18 or 20 or 19. Give myself some allowance for errors. Like I said, it costs money. You will lose some customers. Some people will get angry with you. But remember, it's not for you. It's for the name of the Lord. Excellence. Even in small things like that. And there are words that must never come out of the mouth of a child of God. Okay? Manage them like that. Now so people, they take manage them. So why did you take somebody's measurement if he has to manage it like that? If I just say, I don't look, you don't worry. <laughs> I always tell people that I know that make clothes. I say, listen, for goodness sake. You have the measurements. That's what they call QC in, in manufacturing. Quality control. See these flash drives you buy? One day, I was, my brother was saying something to me that if I know the number that they threw away because they failed QC. You know the truth? This is doable. There. It's just for us believers to understand. It is not for our sakes. I feel like reading that and I close with it. Go back to Psalm 115. He said, Not to us, O Lord, not to us, but to your name give glory. Not to us, O Lord, not to us, but to your name give glory. Because of your loving kindness, because of your truth, why should the nations say, Where now? Is their God. It's so important. We recognize. It is God's name that we carry. You know Jesus said. Whose inscription. And whose likeness are these. And they said Caesar's. So he now said to them. Give to Caesar what belongs to Caesar. And this is what I'm trying to say. Concerning your life. Whose inscription. And whose likeness. Are upon you. God's. The Lord Jesus Christ. So give your life to him. In everything that you do. 
knowing that you are not representing yourself, you are representing the Lord. Let's bow down our heads. Let's give the Lord thanks. Let us thank you for the truth that we have heard again this evening.